Good morning, Wilshire. We are glad that you're together with us for our worship service this morning. I hope you're taking care of yourselves and the people that God has given you to take care of. Be kind, be patient, bend over backwards to keep the peace uh, in these houses that seem to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller, at least uh, that's the way I feel sometimes. I'm, I'm tired of my four walls. I am uh, uh, glad when I have an excuse to put on my mask and go outside, and I'm looking forward to uh, the fact that we are gradually reopening. The elders have said the first Sunday in June is when we can come back and begin worship. And uh, we're going to have more to say about that as time goes on. So be looking for uh, emails and Facebook posts about how to do that. Still, if you're in the vulnerable category, you got to be careful. So we'll talk to you about how that's going to work. Uh, today, we're continuing to talk about God coming to the rescue, and uh, we're going to focus on one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love it. I never get tired of telling it, the story of David and Goliath. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and uh, open that up. We're going to look at some of the passages there, but you're going to maybe want to read the whole context. So 1 Samuel 17. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell has actually uh, reinvigorated interest in the David and Goliath story um, among people who don't care that much about the Bible because he's gone back and did a, a quasi-military analysis of this fight. And he says, you know, David was always going to beat Goliath. The sling is a superior weapon. There have been people who've criticized uh, Gladwell's logic there, and uh, anyway, I think Gladwell himself would say I was mainly just using all that stuff I said as an illustration for another point that I was trying to make. But it is interesting. Uh, David versus Goliath is a powerful story. In the context of 1 Samuel 17, we get all the information we need to understand why it was such a big deal. It starts out with the story of a bully. The bully's name is Goliath. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Succoth in Judah. And they pitched camp at Ephesdamon between Succoth and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its Iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So here we see this giant of a man coming out fully dressed for war, impregnable in his armor, terrifying in his weapons, and uh, challenging the Israelite forces. What did he say? Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, 
have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. For forty days, skipping on down it says, for forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So for forty days this guy, Goliath, terrifying in his armor, frightening in his weaponry, stood up in front of the entire army of Israel, the first line of defense for the nation of Israel, and said, you don't have one person with the courage to come out and face me. And guess what? For 40 days, he was right. Nobody could do it. Now, it is incredibly unlikely that there was no one else in Saul's army who had a slingshot besides David, who wasn't even in the army. He was just bringing food to his brothers when he gets involved in all this. They all had slings, or many of them did. It was a very common weapon, and it is actually a very dangerous weapon um, that he uses. The point is that Goliath looks too tough so tough that they aren't even willing to try to do what needs to be done. And that's maybe the first lesson that I want us to notice. Evil loves to win by making us too afraid to do what's needed. Uh, evil uses fear and intimidation, bullying, hectoring, uh, verbal abuse to try and buffalo us out of doing the right thing. Even when we know what's right, if evil can kind of get its bluff in on us, evil can sort of keep us from doing what we know we ought to do. And that's the situation in Saul's army. So Saul the king should meet this challenge, but he's afraid to do it. Jonathan the crown prince should meet this challenge, but he's afraid to do it. Any one of the thousands of fighting men in the army of Israel should go forth and do what needs to be done. But fear has got a hold of their heart, and they are not willing to step forward. Which is why this is a story of a hero. One person who stands up when everybody else is afraid and does what needs to be done. Enter our hero, David. David is a young man at this point. He's just been being sent by his father to bring food to his older brothers who are serving. But he hears what Goliath says, and uh, he ends up getting called to the king, and he says this. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. 
This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. Now, if he stopped right there, this would be a standard hero story. I'm tough enough to kill a lion. I'm tough enough to kill a bear. I'm tough enough to take on this guy. I don't care. You could put that in a Hollywood script. Uh, this is just a guy macho, macho posturing to answer the other guy who's macho posturing. It's this next verse that turns this into a godly hero story because David gives the credit where the credit is due. Verse 37, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion. Yeah, I had to go and fight it, but I know who really gave me the victory. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. This is a great, great moment. Because David is willing to do what thousands of Israelites are unwilling to do, what Saul's unwilling to do, what Jonathan the crown prince is unwilling to do. David is willing to do it. But the reason is not because he's braver than they are or more macho than they are or thinks he has a better weapon than they do. He has the same weapons they have. Many slingers would have been in Saul's army. What's the difference? The difference is... He knows that God is with him. God's already saved him in the past. God will be able to save him. We arm ourselves against fear by remembering that God is on our side. Brothers and sisters, this is the lesson that I hope that we will all take. There are going to be lots of times when the evil forces of this world use bullying and hectoring and verbal abuse, and physical intimidation even, to try and get good people from doing what's right. Try to make us afraid to do what's right. There's a certain amount of physical courage maybe that we can call on, but in the end, what's going to be needed is for us to say, God has rescued me in the past. God has rescued other people that I know about in the past. I can read the stories in the Bible to see all that God has done. God is on my side. He wants me to do the right thing, and I'm willing to do it whatever happens, because I know that in the end, even whatever happens, God is going to be with me. Sometimes we look around at this world, and it just gets us. And we see wicked people becoming more wicked and seeming to get away with it. And we see things that need to be changed. And, and we just, it just burns within us. And we, we shake our finger at the news. Somebody ought to do something. Somebody ought to do something. And, and that's right. I mean, that is our sense of justice. God built that into us. Somebody should do something. But I hope, brothers and sisters, as God gives you strength, whenever you say somebody ought to do something, you will also remember that God is with you and it turns out you're somebody. And God may be calling you by your very moral outrage. Somebody ought to do something. God may be calling you to be a David in the situation that you're upset about. It may be that you can be the one that stands up against evil.
there may be a way for you to strike the blow that changes what needs to be changed, that does what needs to be done with God on your side. Take care of yourself, church. I'm looking forward to when we all get to meet together again. Uh, God bless you all. Have a good, good week.